Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I was just on a pilgrimage and we set off on our first big walk on our second day together and it was beautiful and muddy and all of the things. And one of the beautiful things about pilgrimages is just like the chatting, you know, and the slowly getting to know one another. And it's just life affirming and beautiful to be part of that. And so I was surprised that within the first 10 minutes I was in a conversation with four women about hysterectomies and for the women who'd had them, how amazing it felt to get rid of their uteruses for all sorts of reasons, for fear of cancer, for endometriosis, for fibroids, for, you know, individual reasons, but for so many different reasons, it was so exciting for them to get rid of their uteruses. And looking back, I can't tell if this was small talk. Or if at least it should be like talking about getting your ears pierced, talking about changing your body in a way that makes sense for you. There was certainly a shock for me of, oh my God, we're 10 minutes in and we're already talking about this. But I wonder if that's even appropriate because these are our bodies and we should be talking about the ways that we can make them work for us. And that is the conversation that I'm going to have with Mars. Mars is someone who is thinking about their relationship with their body and in particular with their uterus and trying to figure out what they want that relationship to be. I'm Vanessa Zoltan, and this is Should I Quit? Hi, Mars. Hey, Vanessa. Thank you so much for coming to our little show. Tell us a little bit about where you are in the world. You are in a place that I'm very interested in. So I am in Iceland, which is a bit far, I guess, from where you are. (laughs) I mean, yes, I have only been in Iceland to change planes 
yeah, most people who travel here are in the process of getting somewhere else, I guess, because we're, <laughs> we're a pretty good place to do that. Being in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and pretty far from everything else. I mean, it's cozy, but it's also quite isolated. So what do you do in this beautiful, well-located, yet isolated place? How do you spend your days? Oof, I spend my days doing a lot of stuff. Right now, I work as a teacher. I teach maths and physics. And then I also sit on the board of the like National Queer Organization. So that takes up most of my time when I'm not at school. Yeah, yeah then I like to read. I mostly like to read in my bathtub. That is my favorite place to read. <laughs> And what role do you have on the National Queer Organization? What do you do with that organization? Um, So I sit on the board, which means I am involved in most of the big decisions. And then I'm also a queer educator, which means I go into schools, mostly like first to 10th grade, and educate them on queer stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's mandatory to teach about queerness in schools here. It's like part of the curriculum. And we are like the only ones who do that very consistently for all the all the country. So schools like get us in and we talk to the kids about diversity and gender and sexuality and answer all their very specific questions. (laughs) There is just like the perfect amount of bite and love under the the words very specific. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like I, I collect the best ones that are both like nice but also the ones that are just like wildly inappropriate like how often have you had sex and I'm like I I cannot really tell you that like as a (laughs) grown-up and also I don't know like (laughs) also I'm fascinated as to why you want to know yeah like I have a question for you person person that I've known for 40 minutes yeah tell me (laughs) you have sex How often? (laughs) Well, what question are you bringing today? You answer a lot of questions as part of your life. So let's have you answer one of your own questions today. (laughs) So what I am wondering if I should quit is my uterus, which I guess is kind of complex because it is an organ inside of my body, which It might be complicated to quit that, you know, (laughs) and it's very easy to just not think about it for most of the time and then catastrophize over it for a few days, months, which I do. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me why you are thinking about quitting your uterus. Well, as a uterus haver, I have periods and I don't particularly like that like I've spent years trying not to hate it but I really do I really do hate it it's awful it costs a lot of money it takes a lot of like products that I don't want to be using and it takes a lot of pain meds to get through it takes up my time and my energy and I don't feel like this should be happening to me but it is consistently and I have tried many things to like get out of this loop. Mm-hmm. Like I've tried the contraceptive pill yeah. and that didn't, that kind of like fucked me up mentally, which we mm. don't want to do any more than is already like <laughs> apparent in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and then I tried the IUD 
And that just went awful. Like I lay in bed for a month and then I went back to my gynecologist and was like, take this out of me. And then I've dabbled with the idea of going on testosterone, which would mean that my period would stop. But like it would just stop as I was taking tea and I don't really know if I want that. And that has a lot of effects on the body other than like stopping my cycle. (laughs) Yeah. But I think what complicates this most for me as a question is like the gender aspect of it. Because, well, I probably haven't said that before, but I am (laughs) non-binary. And that's like a big part of my identity. And I came out about six years ago. So I like when I first came out, I didn't think that there would be like a bodily aspect to it. I just thought it was like something mental mostly. I didn't fit in with the other girls. I was just not like the other girls, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. Very cliche. Turns out because I wasn't a girl. And it took quite some time to recognize that I wanted to pursue some gender affirming care. So it was pretty easy to get it once I figured out it was something that I like needed. And I went through all the process and had the interviews and, and realized that I wanted to get top surgery. And like, but at that point I had like waited for so much time because I wasn't sure that at the point that I had to like wait on their time, like after the slot for surgery to be ready and all the different bureaucratic things, then I was just in agony <laughs> because... I had realized that, that this was something that I had to do. And now I had like waited a bit too long, I guess. Um, and then I got my top surgery and everything was better and I've never regretted it. And it's it's amazing and all that cheesy stuff. And I guess what I am not sure about is if this is like of the same root, these feelings about my uterus, if it's a gender thing or if it's just like, a uterus thing. If it's like something that people with uteruses go through, or if it's something that I, as a non-binary person, am struggling with this much because it doesn't fit into the my my ideas of gender and on myself. And then on top of that, that's the question it's the question of like, do we want to have children in the future? Because if so, this would be a very bad idea to quit this. Yeah. If you want to carry the children. Yeah. Let's start with the kid thing, because that, Mm -hmm. like, that seems right, that if you would like to carry children, then hanging on to your uterus is an important factor there. Do you want to carry children in your body? Now? No. Definitely not. When I see pregnant people, I think that's very beautiful, and I do not relate to it at all and do not like the idea of having somebody inside of me. But the the thing I'm afraid of is that like, what if in seven years I wake up and I'm like, wow, now I want to carry a child. And I guess I ha- find it hard to like trust that I will think the same way in many years because I probably won't in every sense. And also this narrative of, oh, maybe you don't want kids now, but one day you will, has of course been like printed into us since very young. Yeah. Like I, I don't see it changing in the near future, but I don't know myself in, in five years, in 10 years. 
Well, getting rid of your uterus or not, quitting your uterus or not is one of the identity forming choices that you would make, right? You don't know yourself then, but you would be setting yourself on a trajectory now to be that person one way or another or a million different ways, right? So this question is is not a simple medical question or you'd be going to a doctor, right? This is a who do I want to be question. And so do you want to be a person in seven years who still has the option to change their mind about carrying a baby? Or in seven years, would you rather be a person who is like, "Mm, maybe I would want to carry a baby now, but it's been worth it to be gone from this uterus? Oh, that's such a big question. Yes, I Um, can break it down (laughs) into smaller ones first. Ah. (laughs) I mean, both options sound lovely, but that's because I don't recognize the work that it takes to get there in both parts, Yeah, (laughs) like mentally, because of course it would be amazing to have the choice in seven years, but that would mean that for seven times 12 sets of like four days, I would have to kind of hate what's happening to my body. Yeah. And I'm not sure what the math is on that, right? Because here you are and it is bothering you whether or not you currently have your period, right? Like it is psychologically bothering you besides cramps and all of that. So it's also just like the idea of it being there kind of bothers me. Yeah. But that's kind of that it hasn't done that for years. That's kind of new, like for the past year or so. And I think that's kind of why I started thinking about this in terms of like, is this something that I really want to look into? It was kind of a changing point when I was talking to a friend of mine who also has a uterus, he's a cis woman. And I was talking about my dislike for this organ of mine. And and I was describing it to her like, I can just envision my uterus. It's like in my hand and it's like throbbing and bloody. And, and she was like, Mars, you know, women don't really do that. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> well, I do. <laughs> like, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't. I don't feel represented well by that woman. (laughs) I am also a cis woman and I also have a very intense relationship with my uterus. Mm. It has been like spitting endometrial tissue all over my body since I was 12 and torturing me. So, you know, um, I'm curious. One of the things that you said earlier was, is this something that all people with uteruses have a problem with or is this about my gender identity? And I'm wondering, it sounded to me, but please correct me if I'm wrong, that if it was about your gender identity, then you would think it was not a big deal to get rid of your uterus or like that it was the right thing. But if it's just something that all people with uteruses deal with, then you should just have to deal with it too. Is that what was intimated there? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely is the inward prejudice that is like, if it's something that every uterus person or like person with a uterus, <laughs> um, deals with, then I should just deal with it too, because then it isn't this bad. But also that if it's a gender thing, then how do I explain it to other people? And will I then be like recognized for this being such a big deal for me? Can you say more about will it be recognized as a bad thing for you? What do you mean? I guess I'm kind of like a bit jaded after when I was pursuing like my top surgery. Yeah. Because 
that was like, I didn't really get much support, you know, from people around me. The way that they saw it is that I was kind of doing something that is quite risky, like getting surgery will affect me for the rest of my life without there being like a physical problem to begin with. Mm -hmm. Whereas the way I saw it is that I had boobs and they were like pretty boobs, but they just did not belong on my chest. Mm -hmm. And that had to be rectified. And like most or all of the people that are like close to me see it now, like in the same way that I do, but it took some time. It took so, it took a lot of time. And I guess I don't really feel like I can talk about this issue as openly as I would like, because it might be a gender thing. And if it's a gender thing, then? Then I feel like I would probably take it more seriously inward, but it would also, I think it would set me on a course of this martyrdom idea of I have to suffer enough for it to be Right. Okay, that I would do something about it. Yeah. I had breast reduction surgery and it was, it was, whether or not it was like medically necessary, it was medically approved, right? I had doctors tell me for years that I would have less back pain if I got breast reduction surgery. As soon as I went and pursued it, I took my shirt off and the doctor was like, yes, this is going to make your life better, right? So it was medically approved. That being said, nobody ever sent me down a path. It was very weird to just decide one day that I was going to do this. Mm-hmm. And I got an email just a few days before my surgery. Someone wanted to get on the phone with me and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't have time. I'm going in for breast reduction surgery. And I pulled it up. She wrote, I can only imagine how much you have been looking forward to right-sizing your hot bod. And I was just like, Yes. I have been looking forward to right-sizing my hot bod. Thank you. I so relate to that. (laughs) Yeah. I so relate to that. I, by men at least, was always like celebrated for my big boobs and was told like, if you've got them, flaunt them, right? And Mm -hmm. like, I have missed my bigger boobs zero days. Like not once. And some friends of mine have said with all the love in their heart, like, I would take those big boobs over the small ones I have. And I'm like, if we could solve this distribution problem, I would give you some, right? Like this is just a distribution problem, but I can't give them to you. All I can do is chop them off me. Yeah. Yeah. I so relate to that. I share all this to say like, you can just do this because it's right for your body. Like you're just allowed to do this because you want to. And even if all people with uteruses hate their uteruses, but not all of them get them removed, you can do it because you don't know what it's like in their body. Is You know, like you don't know their, they might hate their uterus less than they hate the idea of surgery, whereas you're more comfortable with surgery. You know, like, yeah, you're just like allowed to right-size your hot bod. And like, I feel like, this uterus thing, it complicates so many factors in my life. It complicates my time management because I have to like look into when I will be having my times of self-doubt and and crying boots. And I feel like it complicates my mental health, but I don't really know because I don't really know (laughs) when the things are happening. Yeah. Um, And then it's the contraceptive thing, which is like, 
at this point in my life, I am not taking any contraceptives, but I also do very much not want to get pregnant. Is that a great idea? Probably not. Or, I mean, it would be a great idea if I weren't having sex, but I am. <laughs> With how many people? How often over the last month? <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> um, and I'm having all the sex with all the hot people. And I don't want there to be children from yeah. that sex. But I also don't want this to be my responsibility as a person with a uterus, which society has kind of deemed it to be. And I don't like that. And it all just gets muddled up in my brain. And in the four days I have my period, I end up not finishing the problem and then I just put it on ice for a month because I'm imagining that it doesn't exist and this problem is out of my life and it will never come there again and then it starts up again in a month and I'm like what does this happen to me and I feel like this question is so enormous and the four days are never enough to get to a ground point but the fact that I like stumble up on the question again and again maybe is enough my question is, is it enormous? Like, it's at the end of the day, it's just you and your uterus. It's true. I shouldn't be giving this so much weight, maybe. No, not that you shouldn't. That's not what I mean. I'm sorry if I was minimizing it. I, it's not your job to represent everybody who feels complicatedly about their uterus. It doesn't have to align with a certain queer identity or any other identity. It is nice to have friends support, but you don't actually need their support or you can teach them how you want to be supported because there isn't an objective way. Yeah. And so to the best of your ability, if you strip away this like purity pressure of like, I can only do it if it's about my queerness. I can only do it if it really bothers me more than four days a month. I can only, like, what do you want to do? Do you want to hold on to your uterus so that maybe in seven years you can have kids? Or do you want to be like, I just want to be a person without a uterus? Like right now, the idea of holding on to it so that in seven years I can have the option sounds pretty bad because it sounds like so much mental labor. If... I would wait for seven years. Say that I would wait for seven years. And then I would decide, I want to have the children in my body. And still, like, would that justify everything that I've put myself through in order to get there? And I, like, recently I was thinking about this, thinking back to when I was younger, and when I like hadn't realized all of the gender stuff and was just one of the girls. And I thought back to when I was, I, I think I was 13 at that time. I had just started my cycle. I'd probably gotten my period like twice. And it was this enormous looming thing over my life. And I was at the playground with some of my friends. And we were talking about this period thing that everybody was starting and maybe about to start and all this stuff. And I said that I wish there was a thing where you could check if you were fertile or not, because if I wasn't fertile, I would just get rid of it. I would just not deal with all this stuff because then I wouldn't need to, and I didn't see a point to it. And the other girls did not relate to that, which I think was kind of the 
probably amalgamated of from the fact that like some of us were, were excited about this change, and also some just saw this as like an integral part of womanhood in a way that I didn't. Probably because I didn't connect to womanhood, but <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> I don't know. I I mean, I identify as cis. I have always hated my period and found it embarrassing. I have also always had a lot of pain associated with being a woman. But like, I I just think the question can be, you are allowed to ask the question just from your position, not representing anybody else and not indicting anybody else in your decision. And if other people feel implicated by your decision, that is their shit. Like that is not your responsibility. But this kid question, right? Like that even at 12 or 13, you knew, I only want this <laughs> if it can lead to kids. Like that is the heart of this question to me. Because if the kids thing wasn't a concern, I'd be like, Mars, it sounds like you really want to get rid of your uterus. Like, let's yeah. get this thing out of you. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. who cares why? It's an invader. <laughs> like, Most get definitely. It out. Like if this did not have the possibility of maybe one day delivering me like a cute little human. Yeah. This would be a no-brainer. This would be like, get out yesterday. Yeah. Yes. mm -hmm. Okay, good. So then the question is, should I quit the idea of having kids with my own body? (laughs) That's a really big question. Um, I mean... Which is a different question. Yeah. And why does it have to be implicated in my day-to-day happiness now? I mean, the idea of raising a child, I find lovely. But I also do not necessarily feel the need to be like a primary caregiver in a child's life. I also, I think that I would be fulfilled as an uncle Mm -hmm. or as a close family friend. I really recommend step-parent. Yeah, or as a step-parent. Awesome. At this point, I don't really need to be, like, a, pi- a parent at any point. But, like, if I were to take my uterus out, then I would probably also be giving up the idea of ever conforming to this idea of that our society is kind of built up on, of this nuclear family that regenerates each generation. And then I would be, like, completely cutting myself out of that. But haven't I already, in many ways? Maybe. Mars, I, this question is so live, and it is a deeply unfair question because it is only a pertinent question to people with uteruses. And whether or not you are going to want to use your body to carry and make a child, in, to incubate a child, is a huge huge decision. And the only thing I'll say is like, you are allowed to make a huge decision for a seemingly comparatively small reason. Like if someone offered you a free Ferrari, you could be like, "Hmm, but I don't like the color, right? Like it's not going to bring me joy. (laughs) So no, so no, you know, you're just allowed to decide these things for any metric that you want And, you know, you can come up with any way to think about this. You can say, if I still, if in a year this is still torturing me, then I will know that I have felt this for a long time. 
you know, there are a million ways that you can make this decision with intention. But I think that the thing I want to leave you with is just like wholehearted permission to do whatever the fuck you want with your body. And like everyone else can just shut up and get on board or not. And other people are going to have opinions and thoughts and blah, but like, it doesn't need to be for any particular reason. You can just do what you want with your body. Yeah. I think I really need to hear that. Because I feel all the feelings now. (laughs) I don't like that this makes me feel so many feelings. I want this to be simple, you know. Yeah. But it isn't. Yeah. And you've talked about this, but a lot of the reasons why it's not is because of cultural stories about us. And so I don't know, maybe the thing to do is to say, I'm going to think about this for a year and try to think about what part of me actually thinks this, but what part of me feels culturally pressured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try to dissect in my mind. Yeah. Which is which. Yeah. It's like nearly impossible. Yeah, but we can try. (laughs) We can boldly cross the Atlantic and meet in the middle in Iceland. Yes. Keep us posted. I mean, I'm excited that essentially we've realized that it's a different question. Should I quit the idea that I'm going to incubate a baby? Mm, Yeah, basically. Because we've actually figured out. That we do want to quit the uterus. Yeah. But, But is it... Is it a sacrifice worth making? Exactly. Then I can, like, reason that I am just bleeding this blood on the altar of this future baby. Oh, my God. And every time the baby does something you don't want it to do, you can say, do you know how many maxi pads I used for you? And now you won't eat the dinner I made. I'm so excited for this baby. Yeah, it sounds like a very healthy environment to grow up in. (laughs) Mars, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to meet you and your students, your colleagues, maybe a baby one day. It's just you're a blessing in their lives. So thanks for coming into ours. Well, thank you. You've been listening to Should I Quit? our latest season of The Real Question. Our show is entirely funded through our Patreon at patreon.com slash realquestionpod. So if you're a regular listener, we'd love your support. Another way you can support this show is by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Real Question Pod and Twitter at The Real Q Pod. We love to shout out our BFF tier patrons, Molly Reilly, Kristen Hall, Mary Margaret, Becky Boo, Jenny Cruz, Amanda Schramm, Effie Hugh, Shannon Sheehan, and Renee Underhill. We're a Not Sorry production. Our executive producer is Caitlin Hoffmeister. We are edited by Ariana Nettleman and our music is by Nick Bull. We are distributed by Acast. Thank you so much to Mars for joining us today. And thanks as always to our wonderful team, Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Laura Glass, AJ Aramas, Hannah Rehack, Margaret H. Willison, Courtney Brown, Casper Turkyle, and Stephanie Paulsell. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.